Spider May, Spider May, does whatever a ninja may. On a Zephyr, that she flies, catches villains with fellow spies. Look out, here comes the Spider May. Seriously though, look the fuck out, because Spider May, she gray. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris and Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Hey, everybody. So welcome to our very first mini-sode here on the Marvelous Madams. Yay. Less editing for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So today we are discussing... What's been on everybody's minds the last few days is the final season premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yay! And now I'm also kind of sad. Yeah, well, we're calling this episode Season 7, Episode 1, The New Deal, slash Krista's Introduction to Memes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're you're such a grandma, I swear. Shut your face, because you get plenty of laughter at my expense out of it, Missy, okay? You know, Enoch is more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Relevant? Part of the zeitgeist, mm. as, ben Wyatt, as Ben Wyatt, my hero, would say. Mm, yeah, let's not go so high back. <laughs> it's a Parks and Rec joke. God okay. damn it. I shouldn't be saying anything about popular culture clearly because I've not seen Parks and Rec or The Office. Oh, God. Or just stop before I have an aneurysm. Seinfeld. Amy. Okay. (laughs) We're done. Make sure you stick around to the very end because we are going to read some listeners' tweets. And we got a couple of really good ones. So so stay with us. So uh, reviews and feedback on the premiere have been largely positive. Uh, Most people really enjoying themselves. And I think I can speak for both of us, yes, when I say we had a blast watching this. Oh yeah, absolutely loved it. This felt like old school Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, this is what I felt was missing from um, the last couple seasons, was this idea of they're spies. They need to be working covertly and going on missions. And it's like, yeah, they kind of have been doing that, but not in the same bare bones kind of way they used to in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's like going back to their roots. They have, instead of the bus, now they have Zephyr 1 with the lab and all of that. Yeah, that that place is tricked out. Yep. So we've talked about it in previous episodes they really set the tone for this episode right away with these like old timey opening credits that reminded me of like Citizen Kane and the Wizard of Oz. I thought it was such a great touch. Yeah, they always do adjust their opening credits according to what's happening in the, the show. So I'm looking forward to a lot of different type of credits as we go through the season. Yeah, it was a great way to set the tone for the episode. And then, bam, they throw us right into this episode because we are starting off with a seriously gross face snatch up in here. (laughs) And I'm just like, Gordon, Gordon, is that you? (laughs) Yeah, maybe he was um, halfway through face snatched. We just didn't know about it. Possibly. Yeah, that was disgusting. Yeah. Okay. I, I I just I mm, the the I don't know, like I gagged a little bit. I think the bit where the chronocoms are sort of melted, the graphics of that was a bit more gross for me. Yeah, that was that was rough too. A lot of gross stuff this this episode. Yeah, yeah, but I do like how they they threw us right in, and then we pick up right where season six left off with our buddies back, yeah. LMD Colson. Waking up on the Zephyr. Yeah, I like to call him Philmd. Philmd. I like that. That yeah. works. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know what I thought was interesting? Gemma tells us uh, a very new and improved Uber in charge, Gemma, I would like to say. Loving it. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's hardened. Something's happened. Shit's gone down. Well, yeah. I mean, the last few years have really have caught up with her. It's understandable. Yeah. And plus, we don't know how long she's been away. From the time when everyone was fighting Izel. Yeah, she evades that question. And I think that's definitely going to come back. We're going to find out just how long it's been. 
Yeah, and I think that's when we're going to meet Fitz. Oh, God. Don't don't get me started yet. I'm not ready. That's the favorite part of the show. No Fitz. Maybe that's why I like the show so much. I am going to start a letter writing campaign against you. (laughs) (laughs) A Leslie Nope style letter writing campaign. (laughs) Anyway, so Gemma tells us that LMD Colson is more advanced because he's got Chronicom hardware. And I was like, hold up. Mm. That's going to come back. Yeah, and we can already see um, a difference in his behavior. Yeah. Yeah, well, he he takes to this new LMD self pretty well, I think, given the circumstances. A bit too well. (laughs) I'm interested to see how that fact plays in with the pursuit of the Chronicoms going forward. Yeah, I'm guessing that as the season progresses... Uh, Phil is going to be more and more reckless. Possibly, because he realized, oh, I'm kind of invincible now. Yeah, and he, we see him kind of taking action, one, at the bar, and secondly, even while the Daisy and Chronicom fight is going on. Yeah, I loved his entrance, though. Why is no one talking? <laughs> yeah, you know? Because we're too busy crying, Phil. That's why no <laughs> one's talking. You know, when they press the button and he wakes up and he just says, hey, guys, and just seeing him, his smile, it was like, you know, breathing again. I just melted. Yeah, yeah. I melted. Yeah. And, you know, I can I, I can imagine what it is for people like you who have been with these characters since 2013. That's how it was for me with Endgame. I can imagine because... You know, it's only been like three weeks that I've been with this show. And still, I was psyched for this. Even not having been crazy about the last two seasons, I was psyched for the time period, psyched for the characters, and just so happy to see Phil again. It just got me right in the heart. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, well, you have seen Phil from Iron Man as well. So you do know him. You do, you've always liked him. Yes, Phil, yes. Uh, I was a little worried, though. Like when he started, he'd freaking out and taking in all that that information. I was worried he was really going to lose it. And that's one instance where I think Mac did the right thing, just shutting him down right then before he short circuited himself. Yeah, Um, I I don't know. I was not very happy with Mac this episode, but I'm never happy with Mac. So that's uh, that's nothing new. I do have a I I do have a question about Mac as we go forward and we'll we'll get to it. But it's it's a plot hole. Okay. so we've met the whole team, except uh, as Amy mentioned, Fitz. Fitz, where where is Fitz? When is Fitz? I don't know. I don't care. I feel like Drax right now. Why is Fitz? God, enough. Haven't these two been through enough? Haven't they dealt with enough separations? You know what it is for me? I relate so much. And I think Gemma is so strong going through this. I know what it's like to be separated from my spouse for long periods of time. My husband was overseas for a year. He's been gone for three months at a clip several times. He's going to be gone again Uh, in the future for a good six, seven months. So I understand what it's like to be without the person you love and not sure if they're totally safe during that time. It's something that you either cope with or you don't. And she clearly is doing an amazing job. That woman has her shit together. Yeah, uh, she is strong. Absolutely. No denying it. I mean, as much as I hate Fitz, but... She is fantastic and she, you know, whatever she is doing, you can see she has, she's determined to get this shit done so that she can go back and meet Fitz. Exactly. Yeah. She is laser focused on what needs to be done. Yeah. And speaking of lasers, uh, we also see May uh, in the stasis chamber healing after that nasty wound that she took to her gut, her chest Chestal region at the end of season six. So Enoch's doing some technical laser stuff in there trying to fix up her tissues and whatnot. Surgery. Right, right. That would be for the word for that, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, I didn't recognize it as surgery because Mac wasn't doing it. That's why. (laughs) Those of you who listened to our episode on seasons four through six will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
Uh, anyway, so and there, yes, we we meet Enoch again, and I gotta say, I need Enoch in my life. He is amazing, especially when my husband leaves again. My tech challenged ass is gonna need some help around the house. I need, I need, I maybe they can auction Enoch off or something because I need someone to fix my smart TV. When it goes haywire, um, because I have a possessed television and I need someone here to fix it when it goes down if my husband's not around. Rule of thumb, switch it off and switch it on again. It's a lot of work. (laughs) We did have a death in this episode, a major death. So we need to say this, Amy. R.I.P. Daisy's purple hair. You know, I had never actually noticed her purple hair till they pointed it out. Yeah, it was subtle, but it was there. Like one streak, right? A few, a few. And it was kind of like on the underside of her hair, Hmm. but it was there. And I have to uh, reluctantly agree with Mac. Yeah, can't be running around with any purple in your hair in the 1930s. Yeah, absolutely. It aggravates me to agree with Mac again, but I have to give him kudos for giving Coulson the choice about his own existence and whether or not to participate on the mission with them. Yeah, I think he's been... Very level-headed, this episode. Normally, he's kind of like, freak not freaking out, but he's generally really pissed off and how much he hates robots and LMDs. He was very level-headed. Yeah. Yeah, he's finally, find, he's finally finding a middle ground. Yeah, and I think he's really coming to his own as a director, as a leader. We'll see if he can keep his temper in check, and we'll we'll come to that more in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So sticking with Mac here for a minute, Gemma somehow got her hands on all this uh, 1930s currency and they just have a drawer full of cash. Just go with it, people. It's the least ridiculous thing that happens. No, she doesn't have only 1930s currency. She's got multiple eras. Yeah. So that's another hint that they've been working on this plan for a long ass time. Yeah. There's been a lot of background work being done before the team has arrived. Yes. So she gives Deke a stack and says, here, this should do it. Go get us all some clothes. Okay, that's fine. That's fine for Daisy and LMD Colson and for Deke. But please tell me where in the 1930s in like, you know, five minutes, where the fuck did Deke find a suit that is going to fit Mountain Man Mac? Why? I'm sure there are tall people in the 1930s. He is massive. There is no way that in 1930 you're going to be able to pull something off a rack that's going to be able to fit him. That is some hand-tailored shit. Just go with it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. And he did look good in that suit, I gotta say. He wears a hat well. Yeah. Once they got got their clothes, I really liked the introduction of the street, the 1931 street. Yes. Oh, the atmosphere was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. You could almost like feel, well, I don't know about you, but having spent time in New York, you know, uh, growing up near the city, I could almost like feel the humidity and smell the garbage. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not something I'd want to think about. Garbage smell. It made me just, I'm very, very rarely ever homesick, but... (laughs) That did it for me. Imagining the smell of a nice, dirty water hot dog on the street. Ugh. Maybe a little nostalgic, just a little homesick. Not that I would ever eat a dirty water hot dog today, but little Krista would have. Little Krista did many times. Yeah, they did a great job with the set design and the clothes. Everybody looked great in their clothes. Oh, man. Colson looks like such a fucking gangster, and I love it. <laughs> As far as this period dress goes, personally, I think Congress should pass a law saying that Clark Gregg has to wear a fedora at all times. <laughs> that and the overcoat. Yeah, he looks great. And I loved it when they're walking and he, he looked like a Dick Tracy character. It was great. He's like, do I have gears, do you think? <laughs> and Mac is like freaking out. Oh, no, none of that. <laughs> Like, you know, when he goes to bed that night, he's going to be in front of the mirror, like looking up his nose, looking at his mouth, looking for gears and machinery. (laughs) I have a question for you. Deke's time stream theory. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like it is different from the MCU endgame time travel rules slash theory. Yeah, it is. Okay. Okay. I thought so. So MCU was the multiverse theory. 
No. Damn it. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. time travel thing is more towards the multiverse as opposed to Endgame, which is more same universe, traditional-esque time travel. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Because like in Endgame, so the ancient one does explain to Bruce Banner that if you take out the stones, you create an alternate reality. And Bruce said if we put it back in place, we don't create that reality and time goes on linearly, albeit with a different future. It's not an alternate reality. Whereas in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we still have Fitz going off in the future to be cryogenically frozen, even though we have already saved the world. So that's a multiverse theory. And again, if they have saved the world... So Deke being Deke that he is right now, who has experienced the future and has come back, would have disappeared or he would have become a different person because he's from a different multiverse. Right. Okay. So I think Max sums it up pretty succinctly when, with the catchphrase, ripples, not waves, that as long as they don't do anything too crazy, as long as they don't do anything too big to disrupt the timeline, everything should still work out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. The problem with that is, though, they're trying to save the world, so odds are they're going to have to make some waves. Well, the thing is that they, in order to save the world, they have to ensure things go as they were supposed to. So they don't have to make waves. That's the opposite. The Chronicoms are trying to make waves. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. Quick disclaimer. I'm trying, I, I know I'm sounding like I know what I'm, what the fuck I'm talking about, but I do not know what, what I'm talking about. It's all a word salad for me. Uh, I do love what Mac tells Deke, though, when he's like, uh-huh, I see where this is going. Agent Shaw, you will not be filing any patents. <laughs> yeah, that, I get that. I'd be on Deke's side for this. No, that's a fucking Biff Tannen thing to do, and it's not okay. Biff Tannen. Jesus Christ, Amy. Back to the future? Oh, that was a good save. I was about to have an aneurysm. <laughs> God, you know when they all they have this whole multiverse conversation, and ripples not waves. Deke says, "Yes, I will be oh so I will tread oh so carefully." And bam, he just bangs into the next guy he's walking into. Yeah, yeah, he's a mess. <laughs> yeah, he's a hot mess. <laughs> oh, he's a hot mess. Oh, not that kind of hot. No, definitely the more of the like stench of humidity, New York hot than any kind of attractiveness. At least for me. But he does look good when he's all dressed up in that black suit and bow tie. The newsboy cap is fitting for him. <laughs> I could see I could see him being a kind of town crier back in the day. So that works. And now we come to my absolute favorite part of this episode. <laughs> so Deke, this is right after Deke gives them their uh, ridiculous cereal box badges that he 3D printed. <laughs> So yeah, he gives them their ridiculous badges that work because it's 1930 and anybody can just be anything they want to be because nobody can check anything. Yeah, it's kind of concerning about security. Yeah, but of all things, Colson could choose so many things and he picks the Mounties. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I'm like, oh my God, he's basically Dudley Do-Right right now and I am loving it. Uh, it's Deke, Colson... Mac and Daisy. And of course, it's 1930. This cop sees Daisy and is like, really? Yeah, what's a dame like you trying to be a Mountie? <laughs> oh, man, that look on her face, that quirk of the eyebrow. Oh, I'm just sitting there like, like, I don't have popcorn in my hand, but I wish I had. She's just <laughs> knowing she's just going to eviscerate this guy yeah. with words. Yeah. And she doesn't disappoint. I would have loved if loved it if she would have quaked him and broken all his bones. Oh, I think what she said was better than knocking him out. Peggy Carter would have punched him in the face. True. Ooh, quake and Peggy Carter. Do you think that could that could happen this season? In what capacity, Miss? As in meeting, meeting. Ah, are you sure that's what you want to see? Well, see, now you're the one who's putting ideas in my head. That's only because I know where your head's going to go. No, no. I was being very innocent and I respect Peggy. <laughs> you don't have an innocent bone in your body. 
Who are you kidding? Okay, fine. But still. <laughs> Just admit it now. It's quicker. But yeah, I would love to see that. A young pay, a young Agent Carter. Um, somebody else on Twitter also brought up a good point. A younger pre-serum Steve Rogers and watch Coulson fanboy all over him and maybe get his card signed if he has them. That would be cool. But we do know that they are going to be traveling through different times as the season progresses. So they could meet Peggy Carter as Peggy Carter, director yeah, of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's very true. So many possibilities here. I can't wait. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, too, this whole bit about the Mounties had me thinking about uh, the Untouchables. Please tell me you've seen the Untouchables. No. Oh, God. Uh, for those who... The Untouchables, it's an old movie. Uh, oh, God, I say old. It came out the same year I was born. Oh, that hurts. It's old. It's a Brian De Palma film uh, starring Kevin Costner and Sean Connery. And it's all about uh, Prohibition. And uh, it's Elliot Ness going after Al Capone, p- played by Robert De Niro. And they do work with the Mounties in that movie. But it's got the same 1930s atmosphere and the clothes and the cars and everything. So it had me thinking about that. And it was just, it was nice to have the same, that picture in my mind. Maybe that's why they did it. Oh, the Mountie bit. Yeah. Could be. I mean, it's mm. also just funny because. Yeah, it is funny. Yeah. And none of them look like Mounties from any angle. No, no, <laughs> especially the woman, the woman in the black eye you, you, in the 1930s. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a stretch. But like, <laughs> did you, Mac was like, oh, did you find some bodies without faces? Happens all the time in Canada. <laughs> the guy must be thinking Canada's a weird place. Well, that's what Americans have always thought about Canadians. So whatever. Yeah, uh, you Americans. Um, all right, so they get past this idiot cop uh, and head into the crime scene. Uh, so Phil figures out that there's a clue here, and it's on uh, one of the whiskey bottles because this was a bootlegging operation that, that was going on here. Yeah, the clue was swordfish. Yeah, something something sticks in his mind with that, and he remembers that there's a speakeasy in the area that used this as a password. Yeah, I think this is another hint of what's to come. Like he started off, he rattled off all about the, the about Swordfish and the speakeasy. I think this is more to show about his encyclopedic knowledge, not just as Phil Coulson, but as a chronicle. Yeah, both. Yeah, because yeah. it was in it was in Coulson to begin with. But I think he's just accessing it easier now. Yeah. And so they decide to split up with uh, Daisy and Deke. Uh, sticking around the crime scene and Colson and Mac are going to go check out this speakeasy. But, you know, Mac has to give Deke one last talking to about staying out of trouble. And so Amy and I had different reactions to this. <laughs> Deke looks at Mac and says, I'm starting to feel really targeted. Yeah. Now, this morning I was like, oh, Aim, you know, so I'm just scratching my head a little bit about this part because I'm like, you know, I think Deke is probably the only white dude because of his time traveling issues and having no idea of race relations on Earth at any point before the, you know, destruction in his timeline, that he's the only guy, white dude, who could get away with saying to a black man, I feel targeted and getting away with it. <laughs> so I was all excited. I was like, oh, this might get some people talking on social media. This is something we could talk about with the writing on the show. And your response was? It's a meme, Grandma. <laughs> And proceeded to explain to me that there are a number of plays on memes in the show that I did not realize. Yeah. You get frustrated that I don't watch some of the shows. I get frustrated. You don't know what memes are. (laughs) For instance, like to later on when Gemma gets a little sassy and Enoch says rude. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, gee, I guess uh, Enoch spent the last few months or years maybe catching up on old pop culture and he's been watching a lot of Full House. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And of course, the one thing that Enoch says is, you had one job, Enoch. That is such a classic meme. Yeah. Well, that made me think of Ragnarok. Of Loki saying that to Scourge when Scourge is late arriving to let him know that to announce that Thor has arrived and fucked yeah. up his whole plan. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, so that whole thing went out the window. But still, I feel like maybe 
maybe that wasn't the best use of that beam, especially because Mac has already dealt with a little racism at this point of people staring at him on the street because he's a, a black man in a suit. And we touch on racism a little bit in this episode, but um, I think wisely they stuck more with the sexism for Daisy. And uh, we do know that they're going to head to the 50s at some point. So I think that in the 50s, when the civil rights movement is starting, uh, when we have Brown versus Board of Education happening, I think that's when we'll get more into the racism for Mac. Yeah, probably. And I think Deke does actually have a point at this at this stage, because one, Mac is constantly telling him about not not making waves. Can you blame him? No, no. Hold on. Hold on. And when they come back with the stolen truck and the cop, immediately Gemma screams at Deke, not at Daisy. So there is that general perception that Deke is a doofus, which agreed is not is not coming out of nowhere i mean it is kind of warranted but still you can't help feel bad a bit you know like everyone's pouncing on him well i think with Gemma too it might have been out of concern too because she definitely has a maternal feeling towards deke so i think that might have been it might have been a little bit of that too Probably. So, yeah, what they're doing, what Daisy and Deke are doing is uh, like recreating the faces to figure out who the Chronicoms took. Man, that was rough seeing it. Deke just stab those faces with that thing. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to stab someone's face. He could have stabbed anywhere because DNA is all over the body. Yeah, it was that was. Yeah, it was pretty gross. I guess it was gross for the sake of gross. Yeah. So uh, and speaking of bodies and DNA and whatnot, we also find out in a very uh, uh, sweet scene that Yo-Yo has been cured of that parasite that uh, infected her at the end of season six. And yeah. Gemma also, uh, Gemma presents her with a new pair of realistic prosthetic hands, much like Coulson's former, quote, prosthetic hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad they got rid of those robot hand- hands because they were clearly not robot hands you could see that it was a glove yeah it's like enough with the edwina scissor hands we need to move past that yeah but you know she doesn't have much to do in this episode but those few couple of scenes that she has where one she realizes that the the parasitic goo that she was puking out is no, no longer a threat for her and when she's touching her face for the first time after so long she's done a good job brought out a lot of emotion even though she doesn't have much to do this episode yeah yeah uh so daisy and deke get found out by the chronicoms and i love this part because daisy has a fucking awesome uppercut quake punch oh yeah oh that was awesome yeah that looked like it was lifted straight out of the comics maybe that looks like a really comic book kind of punch you're right about that. So while those two are taken on the Chronicoms at the crime scene, uh, Colson and Mac head over to the Speakeasy, which is run by none other than Pat Oswalt. Yay! <laughs> oh, I was so happy. Another version of some, I don't know, it's version or an ancestor of the Koenigs. Yes, Ernest Hazard Koenig. Grandfather, great uncle, who the hell knows? We might meet more of them. I hope we do. Yeah, um, clone? Maybe. So he's running this speakeasy, and it's at this point where LMD Colson's like, hmm, I seem to be able to do whatever I want without any kind of physical repercussions. Yeah, bit of a red flag there. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like it. it. I like it, but I'm concerned. Yeah, and this Koenig is great. He does not have, as as Phil points out, he does not have uh, the civility or warmth of uh, Sam and Billy. I also love it when he calls his goons chuckleheads. That was like straight <laughs> out of straight out of the Three Stooges. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have a little chat there, so we can figure out exactly what the Chronicom's plan is, and that seems to be they think assassinating fdr right who is the governor of new york at this point not the president of the united states yeah i don't know any about this history but okay so then we also find out that Gemma hasn't gotten any message from fitz when is fitz where is fitz why is fitz Boo-hoo. 
And again, like, this is rough. I was very fortunate that when my husband was gone for a year, I was able to talk to him pretty much every day. Even if it was just for five minutes, I was still in touch with him. But, you know, when it comes to deployments and whatnot, a lot of military spouses don't have contact for weeks or months at a time with their their loved one and have no idea what's going on. So I, God, my heart just breaks for Gemma here. And I think way back when, when telephone lines and all of that weren't all that commonplace, it must have been even more difficult to wait for letters. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gemma takes a minute to, she gives herself a minute to miss her husband and then she gets back to business. Yeah. And with gusto. Oh yeah. A little too much gusto, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. This is, yeah, this is her like trying to get shit done as fast as possible so that she can get back with Fitz. Yeah, which is just ramming a cable into that Chronicom's <laughs> neck. Holy shit. Yeah. Is that a data port? No. <laughs> yeah, she's got zero time for bullshit. And that's eventually she's going to be like, oh, in the end, Chronicom is nothing but hardware and software, which prompts poor Enoch to be rude. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we head back over to the... But you know... The, the whole what we're talking about memes and all that it's actually quite on point for Enoch to say that or to be aware of memes because he's an anthropologist that's very true yeah it makes sense for him to know and to reference it which is why I'm pretty sure if my professors met me if my prof- old college professors uh saw me today they would demand I return my sociology degree <laughs> Uh, we head over to Colson and Mac and Daisy, uh, who are in a ballroom. It, it's a political fu- like fundraiser event. FDR is giving a little speech there. I thought the actor they got to play him was great. Yeah, he was really good. This part really makes me wish Colson had been one of my history teachers in high school. Okay. This moment seems so real because Clark Gregg gave such a genuine performance it it seemed so real i swear i felt like fdr was really there because of the awe he had in his voice and in his face for this man and mac too yeah 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 true true more fulfilled than for mac yeah and it was it was getting a little out of control so uh in terms of ripples not waves so daisy had to be like uh your fanboy is showing yeah <laughs> put it away <laughs> both of you yeah <laughs> But yeah, they, he was so good. Even in even later on, when he actually has a chance to be one on one with him for a moment, oh, he helps him in the wheelchair. Yeah. Yes, it was almost like at that point, Phil would have probably thought, you know what? It's okay if I'm if I'm an LMD. This is an experience of a lifetime. Exactly. Look what yeah. I still get to do and see and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the part that made me think, oh, God, he's like this with FDR. Imagine if he meets young Steve or if he uh, (laughs) comes across Peggy. And, you know, somebody else on Twitter made a good point. It's the 30s. Maybe we'll meet some howling commandos from the comics. And I thought, oh, Tripp's grandfather. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would. So many possibilities. How amazing would it be if we get... BJ Britt back playing his own grandfather. That would be fantastic. Do you hear that, writers? Rewrite this shit. Get them back here to to film all this shit all over again. I don't know how you do it. Time travel to make it happen. This is what we want. (laughs) Get on Twitter, people. Make this happen. Maybe we shouldn't hype ourselves so much and set ourselves up for disappointment. I say that with the experience of Game of Thrones. So Phil and the gang figure out pretty quickly that they're wrong, that FDR is not the target of this assassination, but the target is actually a dude named Freddy, who's the bartender for uh, E.H. Koenig at the speakeasy. Yeah. And then we find out, oh, snap, his name is Wilfred Malik. Yeah. He is Gideon Malik's father. Yeah. No bueno. Mm. And you know where they have the realization that they need to save Hydra in order to save S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. That kind of just went a bit like, uh, for those of you who watched Heroes know, save the, save the girl, save the world. This kind of became save Hydra. 
save the world. Okay, you're killing me. You're as bad as my husband with the quotes. I never even watched Heroes, but even I know it's save the cheerleader, save the world. Right. God, pet peeve of mine. I cannot deal with people (laughs) who misquote things. I just can't. You know, not all of us have photographic memory like you. Well, it's also because I live with a man who could not get a quote right if his life depended on it. He's still working on trying to get right Steve's, no, I don't think I will, six fucking words from the end of Endgame. He fucks it up every time. (laughs) Six words. And I can't wait to find out what the fuck that green serum is that Freddy's supposed to deliver. I'm guessing some kind of prototype of the super soldier serum. Maybe. Who the fuck knows? I'm more interested in the girl in the red dress. And no, 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 no. Don't say my mind is in the gutter. That's not what I'm saying. No, I wasn't. No, no, no. I understand because if she wasn't important, they like they killed her off. Yeah. But they're they're working on her. They bring her back to to fix her up. So yeah, she's going to be important. And there's something something about her that is ringing a vague bell for me, and I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. She gives me Raina vibes. Yes. Okay. That's what it is. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that is it. Something about her expression. I'm like, I do not trust this woman. She is going to matter. She is important. I don't know why yet. Yeah. And um, I know her from various different other shows. I don't know her name, but she she's a good actress. They wouldn't have got her in just for a bit part. Right. Good casting, because you're right. Yeah. There are definite rain of vibes there. Maybe she's her mom or something. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that. You're saying that because of the color of her skin? No, I'm saying that because I don't see the point of that. Okay. I don't, like, the mallet connection, yeah, that's a point, but Raina's mother, that, no, nah, that doesn't, that doesn't yeah, seem and to Raina work for me. Yeah, was more Hydra, clairvoyant. Uh, yeah, yeah, she yeah. didn't, she didn't have those, like, long ties to Hydra. She was a groupie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Raina did... Uh, have a couple of lines telling her about how she was special and her grandma used to tell them stories about something something or the other yeah i think that was just part of her building her own legend yeah that's all just making herself just making herself more important in her own mind giving herself like an origin story of sorts maybe maybe but yeah she definitely reminded me of reyna yeah so while all this is going down we have Gemma, yo-yo and enoch back on the Zephyr, interrogating this Chronicom. Man, this guy is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He does a great job. And Gemma has the great idea to just overload this dude with, da- uh, with data uh, to the point where, like, they get the information out of him that it's Freddy who's the target. And he just, it's like, I feel like Jeff Goldblum should have fucking showed up with his Grandmaster melt stick because that's what this oh, looked like. Oh, yeah. Just just turns into like a vaporized into a puddle of goo. It's awesome. Yeah, I wish they would have shown the actual goo. I'm good without the goo. No, I really wanted to see the goo when everyone's like all horrified and stepping back. I really wanted to see the goo and the grossness. Yeah, so then we have this amazing fight scene in the kitchen of the speakeasy. Yeah, we have Coulson and Daisy having this awesome team up. It was great. Yeah. And again, we see Colson being so proactive, so, so fearless. Yeah. And he's in really enjoying his new strength and everything. Yeah. And then again, so, another red flag, but okay. Um, so uh, Chloe Bennett had said in an interview the other day, and if you guys want to read uh, this interview in full, go check out our website and uh, click on uh, the news page. Uh, check out the story. She said that it's actually much easier to fight in these period style dresses than in her ridiculous like plastic leather quake outfit. Yeah, she she did a live chat on Instagram with Elizabeth Henstridge a couple of days ago. And she mentioned that those plastic, that plastic outfit cannot be washed. So she says that it's like super stinky because it's got like her blood, sweat and tears of all the fight scenes of all oh, yeah. the, all of these years. Yeah, it's the same thing with all the um, Marvel actors who have to wear um, suits like that. Even the ones like um, I know at least 
I think I think the Vision costume has it, but I know that the Loki and Thor costumes both have ventilation systems inside of them so they don't overheat. Like it's a it's a a system of coils inside that pushes cool air or something like cold, cold water. water. Yeah, yeah, cold water yeah. through it so that they don't overheat. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine how uncomfortable and gross that is. Oh, yeah. Um, but you'd think they'd make costumes that they could dry clean at least. I mean, these guys are going to be wearing it for years. You can't dry clean. You can't dry clean plastic and leather and metal, though. Aliens can't be wearing cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing the set photos from the Loki series, uh, I digress a little here. I was so happy for Tom Hiddleston that he gets to wear fabric. <laughs> <laughs> because it's only been like for a minute in each of the Thor movies that he was able to wear like regular people clothes. Yeah. So like, oh, yeah. poor guy's finally able to get out of that costume. Um, let's hope a little more comes off too. But that's just me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I remember Chris Evans saying that the helmet that he has to wear for the Captain America costume is fucking brutal. Yeah. It's super tight, and he's like, I don't know how I, how I did an entire movie wearing that thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? They're getting paid enough. It's yeah. okay. And it looks good. Yeah, and it looks good. I feel bad for them, but not too much, because they're getting paid ridiculous amounts of money. So it's okay. And they're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I loved about this fight scene is that I don't know if they did it intentionally, but for me, it was a nice little bit of symbolism where at one point Daisy picks up a skillet to fight with. I'm like, that is awesome because, that you know, that is a for the time period kind of a symbol of women's repression that this is a tool they, you know, are supposed to use while barefoot and in the kitchen. And she's kicking some ass with it instead of cooking with it. I thought it was a nice touch. Yeah, and also the plates thing kind of uh, rung a bell for me. Yeah. You know, like smashing plates in his face. It's kind of a yeah. thing, right? That's a cartoon thing. Yeah, yeah. And I love the bit where she takes that pipe and she's like 1930s baseball reference. And yes. bam. <laughs> and I totally did when she said that. I totally like inserted my own in my head because I, I grew up a huge baseball fan. So I'm familiar with the with the history at the time. Hmm. So, yeah, so it's at that point they realize, oh, to save S.H.I.E.L.D., we have to save Hydra. Dun, dun, dun. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Save Hydra, save the world. Yeah, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, doesn't it? Yeah. You could see it on their faces, like, fuck, seriously, we have to save Hydra? And Hydra again? <laughs> Always comes back to fucking Hydra. And even the serum was green, referencing Hydra. That's true. I didn't catch mm. that. That's good. Uh, so the last scene of the episode has everybody losing their minds uh <laughs> i love this we see like uh-oh enoch what have you done and his deal here when he, he's going looking for may who has escaped her healing pod it is i enoch sentient chronicom and trusted friend <laughs> you had one job enoch one job come on man <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I love the bit where like he just enters and he sees that pod is empty and he goes, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so he's looking around and the camera pans up and holy fuck, it's Spider-May <laughs> on the ceiling like something yeah. out of fucking hereditary. <laughs> like, oh God, I'm going to have a nightmare. She actually reminded me of uh, the girl from The Ring. With the crazy hair? Yeah, that Samara, yeah. thanks, because I needed that in my head. Thank you. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> it's going to be a fun night. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think May is? Like, what's the deal with her on the ceiling? I have no fucking idea. Theories? Ideas? It could be anything. Okay. I think it's got to do with Izel and that other dimension that she went into. I feel like she could be possessed. So maybe it could be like a, para a parasitic thing too, possibly? Well, she wasn't infected, but I think, you know, when Izel says that all these spirits are going to come and take over the bodies, maybe someone, something has taken over May. We I just hope didn't not. see it at that time. This poor woman has had her face stolen, her body replicated, her mind, like, 
fucked with. Uh, her mind, yeah, warped beyond recognition. Enough already. Can we please give May a fucking break? <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. So in honor of H.M. Melinda May and her newfound, we'll call them abilities mm, for now. Spider abilities. Yeah. I've composed a little ditty for her. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to kind of like say this to a tune because I am not physically able to sing in any way in front of people. So here it goes. Spider May, Spider May does whatever a ninja may. On a Zephyr that she flies catches villains with fellow spies. Look out. Here comes the Spider May. Seriously, though, look the fuck out because Spider May, she cray. (laughs) Nicely done. Why, thank you. Um, so yeah, between the whole safe hydrant th- thing, there are so many questions at the end of this show. I am absolutely psyched for the next episode to find out what the hell the screen serum is. Where is Fitz? What the fuck is going on with May? How much time has actually passed? I'm so excited. Yeah. And who the fuck is Raina version two? Yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. All right. So let's read some tweets, shall we? Okay. All right. The first reply here that we have was to the question of if Agent Coulson from the MCU were to fight Director Coulson from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who would win? At Writer Iowa says, AOS because he's been fighting longer and has learned so much before dying the second time. The after LMD Coulson even more so. And yeah, after seeing this premiere episode, absolutely. Oh, he would wipe the floor with Agent Coulson. All right. So uh, next tweet was in response to who do you want to see appear in season seven? And at Darby Dale, let us know that all I want is to hear Bobby call Hunter Lance. Mm. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Oh, I would love to see Bobby come back. Oh, I would love to see them. Absolutely. But I don't see that happening. I don't see her softening that much. Not about the Lance thing, but I would just love to see her come back. Absolutely. Who would you want to see come back? I want to see Hunter. And I'd like to see Trip. I, oh, like I said before, I would love to see Trip play his own grandfather. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> or, oh my God, oh my God, Amy, Anthony Mackie playing his fucking grandfather. No, then that would be too much of a clash. With oh, the I guess. I guess. But yeah, Trip coming back. Let Trip play his own grandfather. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, so next we have... And I have to say, this is my favorite of the tweets. This was from at Nancy Sarah 78 uh, in response to my question of where the hell did Deke find clothes to fit Mac? Nancy Sarah said, at the big and fine as fuck store. (laughs) She has a point. Bielta asked, what would Fitz's inhuman power be if he went through Terragenesis? At Stephanoush 101 says... Ooh, great question. I think Fitz's inhuman power would have something to do with his already advanced intelligence. Maybe that he would be able to quickly dissect any situation and have multiple resolutions for the said situation. Or maybe that he can communicate with monkeys. I personally would love to see Fitz have a pet monkey. I think that'd be amazing. In fact, you know what, Stephanie Mack, you're right. This is what the show has been missing. A monkey, preferably named Marcel. Yeah, that gave me a friend's vibe. Finally, a reference she understands, listeners. (laughs) It's about goddamn time. Damn it, I wish I wouldn't have said that. So then we asked the same question, but about Gemma. At Ms. Stenatic said, as to Gemma's inhuman power... Mind reading. That way, interrogations would be much simpler. And you know what? I'm on board for that because that means she wouldn't have to mutilate any more people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. What do you think your inhuman power would be? Well, some people would probably say I already have an inhuman power and use that and mean that in an insulting way. Mm, I agree. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that because I can't forget i remember everything including unpleasant things that a lot of people would rather me forget a lot of things i would prefer to forget but i can't uh i have so many seasons of shows in this head of mine that i just can't seem that i can't you know just put in the trash and 
and dump well when I need to. It's good entertainment. Anytime you're bored, you just mentally play it again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do with books. Uh, my inhuman power. I don't know that this is necessarily something that would be a natural like outgrowth for me, but I know what I would want it to be. I would want instant healing powers. For yourself or for others? For myself. I would want instant healing powers. Not necessarily like immortality, but like instant healing abilities so that I would just be like super healthy and fit and strong all the time. Kind of like drying? Yeah, kind of. Like, and I think, you know, that's a natural desire for somebody who's experienced as many health problems as I have uh, to just be free of illness, free of pain all the time and just anything goes wrong, just heal instantly. Yeah, I think a lot of people would want that. And Madam Amy, how about you? Hmm. See, I was thinking along the same lines of healing, but being able to heal others. So be it physical, mental, emotional, being able to just heal the person, make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Bit sappy, but whatever. But it's you. It's very you. Okay. All right. So I'll that- take your word for it. So that wraps up season one, episode one of The New Deal. So let us know, everybody, what do you think is happening with May? Mm. We want to hear your theories. Yeah, that's the question of the week. Email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter or Instagram at MarvelMadams. Thank you all for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us next Monday when we discuss the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Episode 2, Know You're On It, airing this Wednesday at 10, 9 Central on ABC. And you can also watch it on Hulu, as I did. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I wish I could stay up uh, till 9 o'clock to watch it till 10 o'clock. But as Amy mentioned earlier, I am a grandma and I am in bed by 8.30 every night and up at 4.30. Well, for me, because of the time difference, as soon as the episode is aired, it's early in the morning for me, so I can see it as soon as it's aired. Uh, So please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. We'll see you next week. Yep. Bye-bye. I could make like a whole rap thing out of this. Do not. Oh, Jesus Christ, do not. Um, They would never find your body. You know damn well I know enough about forensics to make that possible. Yeah, I think I'm moving houses now.